Section 17 of The Devolutionist and the Emancipatrix. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kirby Bonds. Chapter 16 The Devolution. Mona removed from her ears two tiny devices, like collar buttons. She noted Fort and the others doing the same. Without this protection, their eardrums would have been burst. While the girl was doing this, she heard the athlete hailing the dictator. Good for you, Powart. It's a fine job, and I'm ever so much obliged to you. The dictator stared in amazement. Mona looked from the one to the other, perplexed. Fort was laughing shakily. You may as well make your apologies now, Powart. You're out of it. I've won, and you've lost. I've done a bigger thing than you have. Mona gave an exclamation of impatience. What do you mean? She cried shrilly. Are you out of your head? Not a bit of it. I mean just what I say. Powart hasn't succeeded. He's failed. And because he has failed, I've outdone him. He was gazing impudently at the dictator as he said this. Powart was leaning over the railing of the bridge, a short distance away, too indignant to speak. Next instant, however, Fort glanced at his watch. "'Have to be leaving you now,' he called. He turned his machine around. "'You'll learn soon enough, Powart, exactly what I mean. And you'll know that I'm right. Goodbye.' Within a minute, he and Mona were two miles away. Fort kept silent all the while. He seemed to be intent upon getting the most out of his machine. He kept looking anxiously at his watch. Finally, Mona could hold it in no longer. Boy, I've simply got to know what your game is. You've kept me waiting long enough. He immediately began to explain. First, he told her frankly and fully just what she had said to him over the telephone when she was under Billy's influence. I was so sure it was genuine, I went right ahead on that lead, Mona. You are positive you heard me say that? From the girl thoughtfully. Absolutely. And somehow I knew it was the truth. Powart had tricked us, not merely the workers whom he has been hoodwinking all along, but you and me, and all the rest. So I looked into the matter and discovered that the poor devils on Hull have been treated all wrong. All wrong, Mona. I never realized it before until I investigated. But they've been enduring rank injustice for generations, and we've encouraged them to be satisfied with it. I, I know it, she interrupted softly. I've known it for years, boy. What could we do to help them? Exactly, cried Fort, looking ahead and down toward the chasm of the contact, then at his watch once more. Exactly what I found out. Mona, there was no use telling them the truth. They wouldn't believe it. They were too well satisfied. And so, when I heard of Powart's scheme to bombard Alma, I saw a way to free the poor idiots on Hull, a way to release them from their bondage, our bonds, Mona, and defeat Powart's trickery. And when you all at one move the girl was plainly thrilled yet she kept her voice comparatively cool as she asked so far so good 
but I don't see that you've done anything at all except to kidnap me. He made an impatient gesture. Look at the ground, he ordered curtly, and Mona wonderingly obeyed. They were nearly to the contact. This time, however, they were not flying down into the cleft, but over it. The curious cannon-like chasm where the two worlds touched was perhaps ten miles below them. Look closely, shouted Ford excitedly. He was glancing at his watch again and changing the angle of his wings. By heavens, we are just in time. The craft dove perilously. He straightened its course. Look closely, I tell you. It's something you've never seen before and will never see again. And Mona, staring down at the point where Haffen and Hull came together, the curious region of balanced gravitations, like nothing else anywhere in the universe, saw, as she passed over, something that made her senses swirl. Haffen and Hull were no longer one. The two globes were now a quarter of a mile apart, and the distance was steadily growing. Even as Mona watched, the gap increased until almost a mile separated the two great worlds. "'Do you see?' cried Fort, fairly squirming in his seat. "'Do you see what I've done, Mona? I've taken Ernol and his friends, the bunch I rescued from the prison, and put them to work, put them to work digging a tunnel.' We've been flying above that tunnel just now. It runs from the contact to the cannon. The bottom of the cannon, Mona. When Powart's shot was fired, the recoil, the kick, broke the contact. Understand? Do you see it? Mona stared in dull wonder. When she found voice, it was strangely flat and commonplace. Yes, but I don't see how the recoil could separate two worlds as large as Haffen and Hull. Fort chuckled breathlessly. You forget something. You're thinking only of the gravitation. You're forgetting the centrifugal force. Haffen and Hull, by their daily rotation around the contact as a center, were always tending to separate. That recoil was just enough to turn the balance. They'll never touch again. What's more, he rushed on, Powart's shot is sure to miss. The recoil threw the cannon out of line. Haffen had already moved before the projectile left the gun. Powart has failed. Suddenly the surgeon wheeled upon the athlete. Boy, we're headed in the wrong way. We'll land in Hull, not in Haffen. Who wants to live in Haffen now? he shouted, clinging desperately to his controls. The craft was tossing in the newly created air currents. Don't you see? I've cut Haffen from Hull forever. The workers aren't to be slaves any longer. They're to have their world to themselves, to use entirely for their own benefit, not for the owners. And the owners, back there. They're going to have their own world, too, just as they've always insisted. But from now on, it's to be their farm, too, their factory. They've got to get along without Hull from now on. Mona, the commission wouldn't allow evolution, and the workers wouldn't listen to revolution. So I've given them devolution. What? she cried. 
I've given them devolution. I've given the race of man a fresh start. But Mona was scarcely listening. Turn back, she screamed. I want to go back to my home. I don't want to live in Hall. Turn back, I tell you. Fort's face went white. He looked up at her appealingly. You don't mean that, Mona. Say you don't. I do. I want to go back. She glanced down at the ever-widening gap. Hurry, turn back, or I'll do it myself. Fort gazed straight into her eyes for an instant. Then, his face whiter than ever, he brought the craft to an abrupt halt in midair. He looked at his watch for the last time and said in a strangely hollow voice, Just as you wish, Mona. There's plenty of time to get back before the air gets too thin in the gap. The point is, though, that if you go, you go alone. They looked at one another unwaveringly. So far as I'm concerned, I shall spend the rest of my life on whole. No halfen for me. From now on, I live with the workers. Come. What do you say, Mona? She answered instantly and stubbornly. I go back. What about you? He took a parachute from a locker. Hall is below. He buckled the thing across his chest and stepped up on the edge of the cockpit. Do you mean it, dear? he said softly. She stared at him stonily. He turned away, his mouth shaking slightly, then held out his hand. Goodbye, then, for the last time. Mona suddenly grasped his hand. For an instant hope flared in Fort's eyes, then faded, leaving his face gray and drawn. He poised himself, letting go her hand reluctantly, then he turned resolutely. It's the only thing for a man to do, Mona. As for you, turn about and go as fast as you can. You've got just enough time. Goodbye. And with Mona unable to utter a single word, able only to watch and to feel, the athlete leaned to one side so as to clear the wing, pulled his cap down tightly, and jumped into space. End of chapter 17